My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in the grotto, which is under the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. And historical records affirm this is the very spot where Jesus was born. In fact, the records tell us Jesus was born right here. And people come from around the world to venerate this holy place. One of my favorite scriptures about Christmas is not even in the Gospels. My favorite, really, is in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. And he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That is such an amazing thing. The Greek word that is used in that verse described a wealthy king who looked out the window of his palace, the people walking on the street. He wanted to be among them, but he couldn't because he was dressed as the great king. So the legend says the king changed his clothes. He took on the clothes of a beggar, showed up in the middle of the street, and no one even knew who he was, but it gave him the freedom to walk among the people. That word schema that describes all of that is the word which Paul now uses in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, which tells us God wanted to be among people, so God changed his clothes. God took on human flesh, showed up in the world, walked among us. It is just amazing what took place in the incarnation. That really is the Christmas story. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so glad that you've let me come right into your space, and not just me. And Mr. Joel Renner is with us today. Hey, son. Hi. It's good to be here. I'm glad you're with me. We're going to have a good time today as we dive into the scripture to look at Christmas, the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to have a really good time as we consider the holy night and what took place the night that Jesus was born. But if you need prayer, remember that we're here for you. By the way, I really mean that. If you need prayer, our team is trained. We are prepared. And we're waiting to put our faith together with you. Is that the truth, Joel? That is really the truth. We pray every day for our partners. It is a staple thing we do every day. And we don't just pray for them once. We keep a prayer list. We keep praying. We stand in faith with the people who contact us. And if you need prayer, we're here for you. And we're waiting for the telephone to ring or for you to send us an email. And we're offering you my series right now. I just love this series. Hasn't this been fun? It's been a lot of fun. The series is called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. There is so much to this story. And when you dig a little deeper into history and into the Bible, there is so much to pull out that just enriches the Christmas story. And we're not really elaborating. We're just digging deeper to find out what is there. It's all there. In Christmas, the rest of the story, it's 15 parts, comes in multiple formats with a study guide. So you have all the points, all the principles. You really need this. What a gift to get for Christmas. And we're also offering you right now my daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. They're heavy. One man said, I don't just read them. I use them to lift weights. One of these books weighs eight pounds. My friends, this is really a treasure. It's a gem. One has a thousand Greek word studies. 
The other has a thousand Greek word studies. And by the way, this is not just cerebral. This is not just intellectual information. This is really writing to the heart. It takes all those profound truths and puts them into terms that really mean something for you. You can use these for study of the New Testament. It has all the verses, all the Greek words. All of it is in these books. These books are really amazing. And I would love for you to have a copy. Also, for those who become partners with our ministry, we always send them a copy of my book called Life in the Combat Zone. The reason I dedicated this book to partners is because everyone in life occasionally deals with something hard. How do you get through it? The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. We all go through those moments. We can get through them. And God doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive, and we can. And I dedicated this book to our partners because our partners have helped us through many combat zones. And when you become a financial partner with our ministry, we send you this book immediately to initiate our partnership relationship. And we also send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. So write us today or contact us. Call us. Go online. We're waiting to hear from you. But today, let's jump right into our Bible. And today, we're going to look at that holy night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Today, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 and begin in verse 6, where the Bible says, And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, we covered some of this yesterday, but we moved so fast that today I want to cover this again before we move on. Let's look at this again, Joel. Look at verse 7. There's so much in verse 7. It's so powerful. And she brought forth her firstborn son. That word firstborn is a Greek word, which means firstborn or the first of other children which means Mary had additional children after Jesus was born. And we know from Matthew 13, verse 55, Jesus had four brothers, and at least he had two sisters. That's a real shock for some people, Joel. But the Bible plainly tells us he had brothers and he had sisters, and it even gives us their names. For example, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, we know that after Jesus, another boy was born whose name was Joseph, another one was born whose name was Jude, another one whose name was James, another whose name was Simeon. And the Bible tells us there were sisters, which is plural. So there were at least two sisters. So if you add Jesus, there were at least seven children in this family, but Jesus was the firstborn. But what's so amazing to me is Jesus is the savior of the world, but among his other brothers, were two writers of books of the New Testament. James identifies himself as the brother of Jesus, and Jude tells us he is the brother of James. God places calls on entire families. God called Mary. God called Joseph. Jesus was the Savior of the world. God called James. God called Jude. The other boys were involved in ministry. We understand the girls married people in the ministry. The entire family was called. And God likewise wants to, put, wants to put a call on your entire family. God has an assignment for families. I think that is just amazing. But in this verse, Jesus was called her firstborn because Mary later gave birth to other children. But the Bible says she wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes. What in the world are swaddling clothes? I remember as a child, 
We talked about Jesus being wrapped in swaddling clothes. I didn't even know what swaddling clothes meant. And most adults don't know, know what swaddling clothes means. But the Greek word for swaddling clothes is the very exact word which was used agriculturally to describe the bandages or strips of material that were used for wrapping the little legs of newborn lambs, which would have been very available in the cave where Jesus was born, which was filled with livestock that would have included lambs. Now just imagine this. In Jesus' first appearance, he appears as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Is that amazing? Wow. And here come the shepherd from the field. And when they see him, they recognize this is the little lamb. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus appears in Scripture, the very first appearance, as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I think that is amazing. Wow. And the verse says, they laid him in a manger. The word manger describes a feeding trowel. And if you go to the cave in Bethlehem that was identified by Helena, who was the mother of Constantine in the early three, third, fourth century as the place where Jesus was born, that feeding trowel is still there. There's no reason to doubt that tradition because it is so old. And the Bible says there was no room for them in the end. Now, tradition has wrongly taught that Joseph was poor and Mary was poor and they couldn't afford a room in the hotel. First of all, there really weren't hotels. The word end describes the upper room of houses which often were used for travelers. But by the time they got to Bethlehem, Bethlehem was already filled with people because a worldwide census was taking place and people were all returning to Bethlehem for the census. They had to be enrolled, they had to be registered, and Mary and Joseph apparently were late in arriving. And by the time they got there, every single place was taken. It was all taken. So they began to look for a place where they could lodge for the night the Bible tells us Mary was great with child. She was about to give birth. They had to find some place to live that night where Mary could give birth. And they found a cave. That's why there was a feeding trowel. That's why there were swaddling clothes, bandages for little lambs. They went to a place where there was a lot of livestock. Now, I know that we sing the song Silent Night, Holy Night. The only really accurate thing about that phrase is holy night. Very holy. It was very holy. It was not silent. Jesus was born in the midst of livestock. One ancient writer described what those caves would have been like. It would have been packed with travelers, people that were shooting dice, playing games, rats running here, rats running there, all kinds of livestock. That's where Jesus was born. It was a holy night. But it was not a very silent night, but that's where they found a place where they could sleep that night. And that is where Mary gave birth to Jesus. And today in Bethlehem, you can still visit that place. Because there was no room for them in the end, they came to the cave that was normally used as a refuge for shepherds and their flocks. I'm reading from my notes. It was full of animals, not a very silent night. There is no reason to doubt that ancient tradition. Now listen, from the earliest times, Christian writers wrote about that location and confirmed it really was the place where Jesus was born. Justin Martyr, who died in the year 165, wrote that they found a cave for Jesus to be born in. Origen wrote these very words, at Bethlehem is the cave, not a barn, but the cave where people first saw the light. 
kind of destroys the tradition. Jesus was not born in a typical barn. He was born in a cave that was filled with livestock. Constantine's mother, Helena, converted the cave into a small church and decorated it with marble and precious ornamentation. And later, Constantine ordered that the same place be turned into a cathedral. And today, you can go to that place. It's undergone many renovations over 1,500 years. But today, there are steps that lead from the upper cathedral down into the very cave where Jesus was born. And many visitors go there. And there's a star in the pavement, in the marble. And that indicates the place where tradition says Jesus was born. And I believe that tradition because it is so old and there's no reason to doubt it. It's confirmed by many early Christian writers. But that night a miracle took place, a real miracle. The Apostle Paul writes of this miracle in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen to these verses. Speaking of Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Most people use this verse because it goes on to talk about the crucifixion at the time of Easter. But it's actually one of the greatest Christmas verses in the Bible because it describes the incarnation. This is just an amazing verse. It says, who being in the form of God. It could actually be translated, who eternally existing in the form of God, which means when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was not his beginning. It was merely his manifestation to us. In fact, it says he was in the form, the form of God. That word form is the Greek word morphe, which describes an outward form, which means in Jesus' preexistence, Before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, he already existed. This means Jesus was not just a component of God or Jesus was not just a part of God. Jesus, in fact, was God and he existed in the form of God before he was revealed to us as man. As the eternal God, he possessed the shape, the outward appearance and all the glory of God. Great power, great glory, a presence of God so strong that human flesh could not bear its manifestation. So God had no choice but to reclothe himself with a new form so that he could appear to me and to you. That is amazing. And that is why Philippians 2, 6 goes on to say, he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. When the Bible says that he made himself of no reputation, it is a Greek word canal, which literally means to make empty, to vacate, to evacuate, or even to shed, which means God made the decisions to remove all of his glory, to remove all of his splendor. And in fact, the Bible says he took upon himself the form of a servant. Took upon himself is a translation of the Greek word lambano, The word lambano means to seize, to grab hold of, to take to oneself or to grasp, which means the creator, that's who Jesus is, reached into the material world that he created. Think about this. He wanted to be with us so much and to bring us salvation that first of all, he emptied himself. 
he vacated himself of all of his external glory and then took upon himself. He literally reached into the material world and grabbed hold of flesh that he created and took it upon himself. And God clothed himself in human flesh. That is amazing. And took upon himself the form of a servant. That word servant is the Greek word dolos. I'm going to read right from my notes. Please don't miss this because this tells us about the mindset of Jesus. This word servant, the Greek word dolos, is one who does the bidding of his owner. One whose principal task is to fulfill the desires of his master. He's been sent to help, assist, and fulfill his master's wants and dreams to the exclusion of all else. This servant's existence was to service his master in whatever the master asked or demanded, one whose will is completely swallowed up in the will of another. Or when Jesus came, Jesus came as the servant of the Father to do whatever the Father asked of him, which would include the cross. He came in the form of a servant, completely dedicated to do the will of the Father. And the Bible says he was made in the likeness of men. I love that phrase was made because that's a Christmas statement. Mm. It's talking about his formation in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was made in the womb of the Virgin Mary. This is truly miraculous. When Mary said to the angel Gabriel, be unto me according to that word, in that moment, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she conceived in her womb the Son of God and Jesus was made in her womb. And the Bible says, in the likeness of man. When the Bible says in the likeness, it literally means not just the visible likeness, but even in the physical likeness, which means he felt what we feel because he walked as a man. This is why Hebrews chapter 4.15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. That's why Jesus can understand any emotion you've ever had or any temptation you've ever felt. He has faced it all, but he never fell to it. He was made in our likeness. And Philippians 2.8, listen to this, Joel. This is amazing what I'm about to tell you and tell our friends. And being found in fashion as a man. That word fashion, this really is the Christmas story. It's the Greek word schema. And the word schema was a Greek word used to describe an ancient story that described, listen, a king who exchanged his kingly garments for a brief period of time for the clothing of a beggar. It's the story of a king in ancient literature who looked out his balcony, but because he was the king and dressed in royal splendor, he could not freely walk among the people. So the king took off his royal garments disguised himself as a commoner, made his way out of his palace, and because he had reclothed himself, no one recognized him, and he was able to walk among the population. That is the word that is used here to describe the birth of Jesus. God wanted to be with us, but God could not come in his splendor and his glory. It was too great for human flesh. So God reclothed himself to look like us. And in fact, he so looked like us that John chapter 1 says he came unto his own and his own received him not. They didn't even know who he was, but the creator was walking among them. Wow. And Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death 
of the cross. The word even in Greek is very important. It emphatically means even. Can you imagine it? In fact, an RIV of Philippians 2.8 would be, can you imagine it? Jesus humbled himself to such a lowly position and became so obedient that he even stooped low enough to die the miserable death of a cross. Now, I know that right now people are thinking about Christmas, but Jesus was not born just to be a little baby. Jesus was born for a purpose. He came in the form of a servant. He was sent on a mission, and part of his assignment was to die on that cross, to die for me, to die for Joel, to die for you, and to die for every person that you're praying for. He was sent on a mission even to die the death on a miserable cross. That's why Jesus came. And to be honest, that's really what Christmas is about. We're out of time. We'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to pray for you. Everyone thinks they know the Christmas story, but what you don't know are the fascinating details that only God could have orchestrated. In Rick Renner's 15-part series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the shocking and surprising events that occurred at the time of Jesus' birth. In this series, you'll discover the amazing details that are often overlooked, topics like exactly who Joseph was and why it mattered, what was the star that guided the wise men and the significance of the gifts the wise men brought to the Christ child? Available in digital or physical format starting at just $24. You'll have a deeper understanding of the meaning and importance of Christmas, the rest of the story. When you call or go online today, you can also get sparkling gems from the Greek volumes 1 and 2. So many Christians live their entire lives skimming the surface of the Word of God. Most never discover the profound truth treasures that lie deep within the text. In Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate, uncompromising life with God. In an easy-to-read devotional format, each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies, revealing the profound wisdom and counsel from the Bible. Get one or both of these valuable resources today. Sparkling Gems 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer, Christmas, the rest of the story, and the companion books, Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Hey, friend, this is Rick Renner, and I want to just take a moment to say thank you for being a partner with our ministry. I am so grateful to you. I mean that from the depths of my heart because of what you do, what you do every month. You enable us to take this teaching of the Bible to people that are crying out for it. I realize you may live in a city where it seems like there's a church on every corner, but the rest of the world is not like that. And people are really praying for somebody to bring them answers from the Bible. And when you send your gifts to this ministry, it's like you put fuel in the tank so that we can take the teaching to those who really need it. And I want to read to you from the Great Commission, a promise that Jesus makes just to you. It's made to you. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You say, well, I'm not really going. Yes, you are. You may not physically be going, but with your gifts. You're enabling the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. There are those who go. And there are those who help others to go. That's your part. Right from the privacy of your home, without ever leaving your divan, you're affecting somebody else somewhere else in the world. And to you, Jesus makes a promise. Listen to this. 
in verse 20. Jesus says, if you teach them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And the word lo is Jesus' own exclamation. It is the Greek word edu, which means wow, wow, wow. Jesus says, wow, will I ever be with you? It's a conditional promise. If you go or if you enable others to take the message. Jesus says, because of what you have done, you can expect my power to show up in your life. Jesus says, lo, or the Greek would be better translated, wow, 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 will I ever be with you? You can lay hold of that promise, dear friend. If you're a giver to the work of God, if you're a giver who causes the message of the Bible to go to the ends of the earth so that others can be taught as Jesus commanded us. Lay hold of that verse because Jesus promises his supernatural power to work in your life because you're involved in taking the message to the ends of the earth. So partner, thank you for doing your part and expect the power of God to operate in your life. But thank you from me, thank you from Denise, thank you from our team. We're doing what we do because you do what you do and together we're partners to make a difference. This was really good today. Joel, my heart is really warmed by what we've studied. Oh, it's so encouraging. Thank you for making all that teaching. Oh, you're very welcome. It's, you know, just to see what Jesus did for us, it is amazing. But I'm offering you my series right now called Christmas, the rest of the story. We're just getting into this. You need the whole series. It's 15 parts, comes with a study guide. And right now we're offering you my two devotionals, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one, number two. It doesn't matter which one you start with. Both of them are just packed. You will love these books. And this will be a great time of the year for you to buy one of them or both of them as a gift for somebody else. And for those who become partners with our ministry, that is they initiate a financial relationship with us, they pray for us, but they support us with their finances regularly to help us take this teaching across the planet. We really need you to help us take this teaching to people that are starving for the verse by verse teaching of the scripture. That's my task, would you help us? And if you're already a partner, we want to say thank you. And when you become a partner, we send you my book, Life in the Combat Zone, and Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness. But I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much that you've given Joel and I the opportunity today to sit down with our friend, mm -hmm. to come right into their space and open the scriptures about your birth in Bethlehem. What a miracle on that holy night. Lord, we thank you that you took on human flesh, that you came to be with us, and the real story of Christmas is the cross. You were born to die for us. We thank you for this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You know, remember that we're here to pray for you. If you need prayer, please contact us. We're waiting for you right now at this very moment, waiting for the telephone to ring. And when you tell us how to pray, we and our team, we're going to go to prayer for you. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I want you to remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Let the word of God release its power in you today. And tomorrow when we come back, we're going to see who were the shepherds that were keeping watch over their flocks at night.
We'll see you tomorrow. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 